Hey, welcome to Athlete on Fire. I'm Scott Jones, your host. Thank you guys for joining us, joining me, actually. Uh, today's guest is pretty amazing to me. If you if you listen to, to some of his insights, I think you're going to really have some stuff to draw from. He gives specifics on workouts that he does, some specific physical things he does when he's on a run that's kind of unique. I think uh, all you runners out there will get a kick out of, but he does so many different modalities of exercise and fitness, and I think that's... That's why he's so successful. And when I first recorded this, um, he had won the world's toughest mutter. Uh, but just recently, a couple weeks ago, actually, or, or about a month ago, he, he won a, a winter death race, which was pretty impressive. And you can check that out on his blog. I think the race report was, was nuts. They did all kinds of crazy stuff. And uh, he's a pretty good storyteller. So uh, he's coming straight out of Canada. I think you guys are going to enjoy the show today. So, so stay tuned. I, I wanted to go into a couple things really quick. Thank you guys so much for listening. The viewership, the the, the listenership is growing uh, rapidly every day, and, and it makes me excited that you guys are listening. Keep shooting emails out. I love interacting with you guys. Let me know of any goals that you're shooting for, and, and I'd be happy to share those with, with athletes to, to get insights for you guys so, so I can uh, really pin down what you want to hear from me. Also, if you go to athleteonfire.com, you can see the home page is new and different. I would love some feedback. I really like it, but if you don't like it, then then it's not any good. So go out there, go to Athlete on Fire, let me know what you think. Uh, and lastly, when you go to the podcast tab on my website, you can see there's an iTunes and a Stitcher subscribe button. If you go over there, click on them. Reviews make the world go around for us beginning podcasters, and I'd really, really appreciate that. So... Without further ado, here is today's episode of Athlete on Fire, episode 24 already. Wow. Prepare to be inspired by some of the most successful athletes on the planet. This is Athlete on Fire, your daily source of amazing stories that will ignite your pursuit of excellence, inspiring you to be and do Now, I have one question. Are you fired up? Hey, welcome to Athlete on Fire. I'm Scott Jones, your host. Thank you guys for tuning in today. I am really excited. We have you can't get more on fire than this guy today. He is the world's toughest mutter. And if you're one of the millions of athletes around the world, around the country, uh, that does this event, you know how tough it is. And and he dominates all of you, including myself. So I'm excited to to announce today our guest. It's Ryan Atkins. Hey, Ryan, what's up? Hey, Scott. How's it going? So you still the world's toughest mutter since uh, last time I talked to you a few months ago? I still have last time I checked. Oh, nice. Good deal. <laughs> good deal. So <laughs> things have changed, you know, just disclosure to you guys listening. I actually recorded a call with Ryan. He was one of my first two or three interviews and the audio was awful and uh, I've learned a lot since and he was gracious enough to hop back on and, and do this thing again and we're going to make it like twice as good, I promise. So so Ryan, uh, since we talked last, I have a different format. So let me explain to you what the format is, okay? Okay. All right, we have three different segments. The first segment is Athlete Defined. So we're just going to kind of hang out, get to know you, uh, learn about your background and how you got to be the toughest mutter and all that good stuff. The second segment is Athlete on Fire, and we're just going to talk about the mental and physical capacity and what goes on when you're when you're competing at the highest of levels. And lastly is Athlete Inspired, and we're just going to give our listeners some good, inspiring information and resources that they can take away and do some amazing things themselves, all right? Sounds good. All right, so we're going to dive right into it. First question I ask everybody, uh, you're 15 years old, it's a Saturday in the middle of the summer, where are you at, what are you doing all day? Um, I would almost certainly be uh, unicycling. 
um, if I was 15 years old. Uh, I started unicycling when I was uh, 13 and basically got entirely engrossed by the sport. Um, I ended up winning uh, world championships um, twice with uh, unicycling in uh, like trials and cross-country and downhill and high jump and a few other events. And um, I basically got pretty caught up in the whole uh, unicycling, especially unicycle trials world, and um, did that pretty much nonstop while also doing school sports um, until I was going through university when I was uh, in my early 20s. Nice, so, nice. Yeah. So, so where were you when you were 15 years old? Um, I was living in Ottawa, um, which is a, the capital of Canada, and it's a pretty great town. So we, we have a friendly Canadian on the line today, is that right? <laughs> that's, that's me. <laughs> that's me. <laughs> All right, so I would have never, ever guessed that your answer would be unicycling. Coming from the world's toughest mutter in the world of endurance sports, how in the heck does somebody, A, get into unicycling, B, get really good at it, and what the heck is like trials and downhill? Like, what's the difference? What are the different different levels of all that stuff? Um, I got into unicycling just through a friend. Um, his dad was into it, and then I thought it was a pretty cool thing to do. And, um, yeah, so once I kind of figured out that you could do all these um, different tricks and techniques on a unicycle and it wasn't just about riding that's kind of where it uh took off and i had been doing a little bit of mountain biking prior to that and i realized all the trails that i rode on my mountain bike i could ride on my unicycle which is kind of where the uh the downhill portion came in and then i was got super involved in unicycle trials which is basically um same thing as bike trials or motorcycle trials it's just getting up and over the most kind of complicated uh technical objects and um terrain that you can basically find so that's Man. that's cool because there's no real limit to what you can do or ride yeah. on yeah so so would you well we'll get into to the adrenaline piece but have you had any major injuries from unicycling um my ankles uh i sprained them like a heck of a lot when i was unicycling but that was about it um i ended up like losing most of the ligaments in my ankles um, just from spraining them and never really letting them heal. But um, Nice. That, Don't have to worry that, about those anymore. That's about <laughs> it, yeah. <laughs> so I had I had a guest on uh, not too long ago. His name's Travis Brown. He He's an elite mountain biker. He, he rode in the Olympics, and uh, he does some product development stuff for Trek right now. But he, on his bucket list was to learn how to ride a unicycle. So I thought that was pretty cool. He's going he's going back a wheel. It's cool. sweet. Awesome. So we're going to – we're going to move on just a little bit. Sorry for interrupting you there. We're going to move on just a little bit. Uh, let's go to your childhood a little bit more in depth. So, t- you know, tell me what your family life was like. What were your parents like? What what kind of work ethic was instilled? I think that's pretty interesting. Um, I think that, uh, I don't know, I came from a great family. And um, I think that where my parents did a good job in terms of um, preparing me for uh, athletics was that they never really – pushed me into anything in specific and they just kind of let me do whatever I wanted to do. So, uh, I did, I played hockey when I was young, like most, uh, Canadian kids. And I also played soccer and those kinds of things. And, um, yeah, I just led, led a pretty, uh, regular childhood, um, doing sports and hanging out with friends. And 
I'm not sure if uh, my parents really did anything spectacular in terms of instilling a work ethic. I think that was probably something that I um, developed on my own. And yeah. Uh, yeah. So are you a perfectionist? Um, I'm definitely a perfectionist when it comes to some things. Um, uh, like, for, for example, uh, when it comes to picking up techniques or new um, skills, I I always try to perfect them like as quickly as possible. And I seem to have a knack for doing that, for uh, taking really complicated um, activities and breaking them down and then learning them really thoroughly in a short yeah, period of time. And it seems like for the stuff that you, that you are really good at, that, that would really help a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it does. So let's assume that the people that are listening have not heard of the Tough Mudder. Okay. So, so explain for a second what it is and what you had to do to, to, to become the world's toughest mudder. Okay. Um, so there's two different, uh, types of these events. There's like the regular tough mutters, which, um, I think are what most people are familiar with. And those are, uh, about a 10 to 12 mile obstacle race in which they'll have you running up and down mountains, going over walls, um, crawling through mud puddles and going through tubes and all sorts of, uh, different crazy obstacles that they've dreamt up. And most people, uh, will run a lap of this course and, um, afterwards they'll have a beer with their buddies and kind of go home and then once a year they have an, a, a special event called the world's toughest mutter which is kind of the culmination of all the different um tough mutters because there's always someone who says you know what this isn't hard enough for me so i want something more or whatever so this is what they came up with and it's uh basically doing a tough mutter course over and over for 24 hours and doing as many laps as possible so um it was slightly modified. The courses were only five miles long, and they tried to squeeze in more obstacles on this uh, shorter course. And then they just basically let you loose and say, go ahead, guys, do as many laps as you can possibly. And then the winner is the person who does the most. Wow. So, so how many did you do? Um, I ended up doing 20 laps. Wow. With, uh, so you did, you did a 100-miler with how many obstacles per five miles about, roughly? <laughs> 22 obstacles per uh yeah every lap so i did about 440 obstacles and it took me about 23 hours to do that i stopped after 23 hours because i had a a decent lead and i was kind of tired of running at that point i just can't i can't imagine being tired that's just weird weird. (laughs) so we'll we'll get more into the mental and physical prep for that type of event here coming up soon i think people are going to be amazed at some of the stuff that you do workout wise uh, because I am personally, and, I, and I've heard of some some really good stuff. So, before we move on to athlete um, athlete on fire, uh, I just want to take a second and ask you what what's the most inspiring thing that you've seen in person that has to do with athletics or competition? Um, I think the most inspiring thing I've seen would be uh, actually at the the world's toughest mutter event. Um, I watched uh, a lady who had a uh, prosthetic leg competing in the event in event and she did a number of laps which is pretty crazy and uh it's hard enough with two legs and to just keep going through these very difficult laps with only your prosthetic leg was uh pretty inspiring and kind of put things in perspective for me and just made me keep going yeah no that's awesome man 
All right, so let's go. Let's go on to athlete on fire, and this is the mental, the mental and physical piece. We'll dive into it pretty well with with you today. Why don't you start off with like a, a really good quote or mantra that you like? Um. Okay, I think uh, my the mantra I kind of used with uh, at the Tough Mudder was to just keep running, um, and that was like, you know, just don't let yourself stop. And that was something that I kind of kept telling myself and kept repeating. It's, I guess, pretty simple and obvious, but it's something that worked. Yeah, you know, and, and the most simple and the shortest mantras help help people in these in these situations because it just kind of resets your mind just a little bit, just enough to realize you, you don't really need to think. You need to just <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't think. Do. All right, so. I know that you've had a lot of success in, in endurance. So let's talk about a time that you just thought you were ready for something and you absolutely failed. Nothing worked out for you. Uh, I'd say the worst experience with with uh, something along those lines would have to be when I tried to do um, I tried to run a, rec- a trail record with a friend of mine, and he had he had uh, kind of he had run it before and he wanted to do it again. And it was a 50 mile uh, trail, and so I uh, I thought I was ready for it. I had been doing a bunch of running and whatnot, and then the day came to do it, and it must have only been like 25 miles in. My body just completely shut down. He went on to run the record, and I kind of hobbled my way along for the next number of hours, and uh, I just wasn't ready for the amount of climbing and descending and. Um, the pace that I had kept for the first, you know, two or three hours and it just killed me. (laughs) Oh man. So, so let's, let's get to the, to the physical piece. Um, you know, er everybody has that, that adversity that they kind of learn from it. And, and usually for the, for the good athletes, it drives them more than anything that that failure does. So your legs weren't able to to handle up and down. So what, what have you done physically to prepare yourself uh, last year for the toughest mutter and and for future events and just in general as an athlete what what kind of workouts do you do like on a saturday morning in, in the in the midst of your hardest training season what does a whole day look like for you well it's kind of um it's kind of funny my training because it's uh really variable and it changes so much during the year based on kind of what i'm focusing on next and kind of, um what I'm gearing towards. I've done a lot of years of hyper-focused training for either cycling or um, different sports like that. And now I've kind of uh, learned to just listen to my body. But an example of uh, a Saturday, like this past Saturday, I uh, I did um, a ski race, uh, a 30-kilometer uh, skate ski race. Um in the morning and then I skied for another about hour and a half after that and then I uh went for about a two-hour run uh in the evening and that was a pretty typical um typical day I do most of my uh intensity and training during the week so uh on Tuesdays and Thursdays I've gotten into the habit of um doing uh, lots of climbing. So I'll aim to do between 2000 and 4,000 feet of ascent, um, on both Tuesdays and Thursdays every week, uh, running. And then I'll, uh, I'll do a strength workout for about an hour after that as well. 
Um, so talk about talk about the, the strength a little bit. You know, the Tough Mudder is so unique because you do have to have some strength. It's not like just a straight up ultra or just a straight up marathon. And you see some unique athletes there. So what do you do strength wise? Uh, for strength, I do a lot of body uh, body weight type strength, and now I'm also getting into more um, a mixture of kind of heavy uh, lifting. So I'll do. I do tons of push-ups and uh, pull-ups. Um, my roommates and I, we play uh, this game uh, probably three or four times a week where we all just take turns coming up with crazy uh, pull-up combinations and whatnot. And um, we'll play that for you know 20 minutes and probably end up doing several hundred pull-ups during it. And each person's trying to kind of come up with a more ridiculous way of doing a pull-up whether it's with a 50 pound weight attached to your waist or whether it's holding a lock off for 35 seconds and then doing 10 pull-ups or whatever and then um with the heavy weights i've uh yeah started doing lots of deadlifts and um lots of squats and things like that and then some calisthenics jumping around and kind of going crazy with that and then uh i do lots of overhead presses as well which seems to be a good activity i think that like you don't need to do uh a lot of different strength exercises as long as you kind of change them up so i'll i'll have about five or six that i do uh sets with and routines with for about a month and then i'll switch it up so i kind of try to make gains in different areas throughout the year yeah yeah so can, can you personally tell a difference in your running w- when you're strong when you're doing heavier weight or can you not tell a difference um yeah i can i think that i really started i've had trouble with my knees in the past and that i think that by doing the squats and the the weights like that i can really focus on um correct firing patterns uh with my legs and like extensions and i think that translates into running injury free because now i've uh, i've been running injury free for probably four or five months like without a single anything and doing uh decently high mileage probably between uh about 60 to uh, about 100 miles per week and um and lots of that is trail. So yeah, it's, it's been good. And I, I think, I think strength is so important. Um, and especially when you're doing like the obstacle racing, cause by the end of the tough mudder, my, uh, my shoulders had basically shut down and for yeah. two or three days after I, I couldn't lift, I had my right arm in a, in a sling because I couldn't, I couldn't lift my arm up. It was so messed up just from pulling myself over these walls for 24 hours. Um, so I can't imagine what it'd be like if I hadn't been doing lots of strength. And it's definitely something that I'll focus on even more for next year. Yeah, seriously. So really quick, just to, just to paint a picture, how, how big of a guy are you? How tall are you? How much do you weigh? Uh, I'm about 5'10 or 5'11, somewhere in there. And right now I'm around 160, 165 pounds. Cool, very yeah. cool. And th- this is stuck in my brain. It probably doesn't matter that much, but I'm just curious. If I told you that you had to uh, 
go to failure on pull-ups, like not kipping or anything like that, how many could you do straight up? Uh, I did this the other day and I managed to eke out, uh, I think 32. So <laughs> nice. Yeah. You said, e- you said eke out 32 <laughs> pull-ups. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, man. So I think, uh, just from talking for the last few minutes, people can get an idea that the type of physical commitment it takes. And I, I kind of like your approach. It's very holistic. You're, you're doing a lot of different modalities and, and that's really important. And for for endurance athletes that are listening out there, yes, it's it's fine to be passionate about your your sport, whether it's cycling or running or swimming. But adding strength to it for the injury prevention piece alone is gonna is gonna make huge differences over the long haul. You might not like it right away. It's probably gonna be uncomfortable for a little bit, but it will make a difference. Thanks for sharing that with us, Ryan. Yeah, no worries. All right, we're go- we're gonna move on to. Uh, to the mental piece. So do you have any weird rituals or superstitions before you compete that you want to share with us? Um, I don't think it's really weird, but I, I really take a lot of care with my feet before I do a, anything over like three or four hours in terms of running. I'll spend a lot of time making sure that I have a specific pair of socks on and um, that I've kind of done everything the exact same way just to avoid blisters. But uh, other than that, I think I'm very non-superstitious if anything uh i always try to kind of do things differently every time in terms of uh like really small specific uh preparations and kind of almost to avoid being superstitious because i know how much that can kind of take over your pre-game uh rituals all right, so we, we kind of went over like a ritual. So you said you said you took care of your feet and took a lot of time to to get ready pre-event. So let's let's get into like uh, a habit that you can share with us that that contributes to your success athletically that maybe the listeners can can draw from. It can come from anywhere. Okay, um, I think uh, a habit that I do uh, on a regular basis is uh, when I'm out running by myself. I also I'll often take. Uh, two or three minutes to do like sidestepping and high, high steps and butt kicks and, uh, some side to side jumping just, um, just while I'm out running. And I do that pretty much every time I run by myself. I don't do it with other people cause I kind of look like an idiot, but, uh, I think that's, uh, it's like a habit and something simple, but I, I think it kind of helps with mobility and, uh, like knee strength and stability with your joints. So that's kind of a, yeah, a good habit to get That's into. That's a great one. I, you know, me and my friends when we run, we do that all the time because, especially go on, on really long ones. We're like, all right, let's switch it up. Everything's getting tight. Let's do some lateral stuff. But yeah, yeah, exactly. But you never hear anybody say that. That's a great habit. I think it's a good one. All right, so let's talk about nutrition just a little bit because twenty four hours, you're out there for a very long time. You're putting out a huge effort muscularly and aerobically and everything. So, how do you feel yourself for for an event like that? For uh, for the twenty four hour race um, at the world's toughest mutter, I kind of already had prepared by doing a bunch of other longer races and uh, other twenty four hour races. So I knew what my body kind of could and couldn't handle. And then from there, I just brought an absolute massive selection of food from uh, canned spaghetti and raviolis to cereals to. Um, tortellinis, uh, sweet potatoes that had been cooked up. I had canned fruit. I had uh, honey and um, 
all sorts of stuff. Basically, uh, lots of Pringles. I had tons of chips, and every every single lap, which was taking every, laps, were taking me just over an hour, probably on average. Every lap, I would stop in and I'd eat, you know, probably two to four hundred calories and drink some, and then uh, keep going. And that seemed to work great. I felt uh, like I was fueled the entire time. And you're going at such a, a slow pace in a 24-hour event that your body's able to digest a lot more than you would be if you were, you know, doing a two-hour all-out race or yeah, for something sure. like that. Yeah. yeah. Did Did you happen to to record how many calories you burned during that thing? No, I, I didn't record that. <laughs> that would have been pretty impressive, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. I think that's the, uh, that's great for, for Athlete on Fire. We get an idea physically where you're coming from, mentally, kind of what you're doing. So before we go to Athlete on Spired, uh, I always I always have a little fun. So it, it might be a quiz. It might be you know just asking about where you're from. So I got a kind of a Canadian quiz type thing. You're, you're going to tell us some stuff about Canada, all right? All right. So for Canada, tell me your favorite or, in your opinion, the best rock band to come out of Canada. Oh, I don't know. Um, I think probably Blue Rodeo. Blue Rodeo. So I've never heard of those guys. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they're pretty awesome. It's uh, maybe a little bit older music, but it's pretty uh, pretty classic. Also, Gordon Lightfoot is a very iconic Canadian folk singer. Yes, I've heard of Gordon. We go way back. All right, okay. so number two, uh, most renowned we'll, – we'll go – you know, your favorite, your favorite athletes come out of Canada ever. Um, I don't know. I would have had a different answer for you before all the cycling, uh, doping, um, that's happened. Yeah. Um, but favorite athletes, I don't know, probably just maybe some of our hockey players. Like, uh, I think Wayne Gretzky was probably one of the, the greatest uh, hockey players of all time, and he was Canadian, so. Yeah, there you go. All right, so what would be, okay, if I visited you, and I'd never been there before, what what kind of food would you take me out for that would be just kind of like indigenous to, to what you guys, you know, what would be something that's kind of unique to your area? Ooh, uh, the, the thing with our area is it's uh, really multicultural, so, um the foods that we kind of go out to eat are ends up being mostly other cultures. Uh, I, we go out for sushi and burritos and, uh, go out for shawarmas and things like that. But, um, in terms of specific Canadian food, I don't really think there is much other than maybe poutine, which is, uh, a Quebec thing, but you can still get it here. Nice. So the poutine, we'll go, we'll go with that. And then lastly, endurance wise, not yourself. <laughs> who, who do you think is, is the endurance athlete in Canada right now that's really making strides and, uh, is really inspiring? Um, I would have to say that's probably some of our, uh, our male cross country skiing athletes. Um, in the last few years, they've really kind of stepped it up on the, the scene and, uh, podiumed at a few world cups. I know they didn't have a great Olympic showing, but, uh, it's really inspiring to see these guys kind of come out from um, seemingly nowhere and start competing with all the European com- countries and uh, beating them in some events. Um, so that that's pretty inspiring to me. Yeah, that's great. That's great. All right, let, let's move on to Athlete Inspired. And, and this is going to be kind of quick hitters and takeaways for the for the audience. 
And, and the first question I always ask is, is legacy important to you? Um, no, I don't think legacy is important to me at all because, uh, I don't know. I don't think I, what I do or doing is, um, really special. And I don't think that any, anyone is really, um, who's doing a, a sport at a high level is really special in any way. They're just doing what they love and, uh, what they've kind of been permitted to do by living in a, by being like lucky enough to live where we live. And then, um, from there, I just hope that, you know, more people kind of follow in the footsteps and take those opportunities when presented. Yeah, that's a great way to put it, man, because we are, we are pretty lucky, blessed, whatever you want to call it, to, to live somewhere where we can do frivolous acts of of athletics when it's on the on the major, major scale, maybe not the most important thing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's go to, to something a little more cerebral. So what's a, what's a book that you'd recommend to listeners? Um. I could probably get all classic and uh, say Walden by uh, Thoreau. That's a good book. Kind of uh, puts you at peace when you read it. That's good. Classics are good. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, there, there's a there's a talk on on the SBs about twenty twenty five years ago with Jimmy V. And I won't go too much into it because I talk about this in all my interviews. But there's three things that he says you should do every day. So I'm going to ask you about those things. Okay. Okay. What makes you laugh every day? Uh, I'd probably have to say that my, uh, the people I live with, my, my friends and roommates make me laugh every day just with all the stupid things they do and say and our humor. Any, any good pranks in the last couple months? Um, not so much pranks, just kind of the way we see the world and, uh, how we kind of interpret all the, all the daily minutia and all the the radio talk hosts and just kind of poke fun at how ridiculous the world we live in is sometimes. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. So let's go to the other end of the spectrum. So what are you so passionate about or what brings you to tears on a daily basis or could? Um, I've got a, a Malamute dog who I do a lot of my running with and adventures with. And, uh, he could definitely bring me to tears pretty easily. He's, uh, Spent a lot of time with him, and he's a pretty special guy. So, oh, that's cool. Does he yeah. put in the mileage like you? Um, he's he's been upping his mileage. He just turned one, so uh, he, we've been kind of introducing him to more and more mileage. But um, he's up to about you know thirty to forty k pretty comfortably. So uh, he's doing well. Nice. And lastly, of those three, is what what do you do every day to to ensure that your brain is firing off and that you're thinking? Um, I'd say the, the work that I do is fairly, uh, fairly brain intensive. I'm, I work as a design engineer right now. So, uh, every day I'm kind of coming up with solutions to problems and thinking outside the box. So I'm pretty lucky in that respect that my, uh, my work is something that makes me have to think and, uh, work a bit harder. Yeah, that's great. And it looks like you're, you're covering both ends of the spectrums with with the physical exertion and the mental exertion with your with your nine to fiver there. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, trying. <laughs> All right, so we're going to wrap up here in a second. We're we're so connected. Uh, you know, there's so many people out there that are running tough mutters and obstacle runs and ultras and all this stuff. So if somebody wanted to reach out to you, how how could they connect with you? Um, they could probably connect with me on either Twitter or Facebook or. Um, something like that. Yeah. Okay. My, uh, 
my Twitter is Ryan Atkins Diet, which is a bit so just a funny thing I made up. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, so uh, I'll link all that stuff up on the show notes. So I appreciate that, Ryan. And lastly, let's just go back to the 15-old version of yourself. Uh, what kind of advice would you give yourself right now if you could talk to that version? Um, I'd probably tell myself that uh, just keep doing what you're doing because I got into endurance sports when I was uh, in my early 20s. And a lot of my kind of athletic development through unicycling and through uh, other sports was just all play and no serious training and I think that's what kind of gave me the upper edge a lot of junior athletes that I see and kind of who are friends of mine and whatnot get burnt out before they ever even uh, make it into the senior kind of ranks and I find that so sad so I think just for young kids and 15 to 18 19 year olds it's just like you know, have fun with it. Don't take anything too seriously. Let the uh, let the development take place naturally, and um, don't force anything. And if you've got a coach who's telling you, you know, you've got to train twenty three hours a week, and you've got to start doing this type of interval, and you're fifteen or sixteen, uh, you got to just say, you know, buddy, I'm going to go out for a run with my friends, or I'm going to, you know, do this because I feel like it, and. You know, you've got a lot, you've got your entire life, and if you really want to pursue it seriously, then once you're in your early twenties, you can start kind of building on that uh, development that you've had fun doing when you're younger. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome, Ryan. So I appreciate you taking the time out, man. We we had a little connectivity problems, but we worked through it. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. I think it ties for the the most disconnections in one call. But I'm going to edit this baby up, and everybody's going to love your insights. And I appreciate your time, man. All right, thanks a lot, Scott. Hey, and this is for everybody else listening today. I'm Scott Jones. Today you guys were listening to the world's toughest mutter, Ryan Atkins, who is truly an athlete on fire. Thank you for listening to Athlete on Fire. Stay fired up with additional resources and information at athleteonfire.com.